friends, and welcome back to our annual Masters Weekend edition of the K-Pod Sportscast. This is episode 60, and I'm joined by my colleague and caddy, Rich McClone. <laughs> I, I, I think it'll be a seven iron from this distance with us, you know, going to have to carry the trees, watch out for the zealous, mm. you know, mm. and don't call the people fans to remember they are spectators. They're spectators, yes. They're guests. Mm-hmm. So, yes, and we're going to be talking in this soft, quiet tone, like NPR or like our good friend. Uh, who who does the mask? Why am I blanking on his name? Jim Nance. Jim Nance. Yeah. Hello, friends. Hello, friends, <laughs> and welcome back. How did Jim Nance end up doing all those commercials with Charles Barkley and Sam Jackson and Spike Lee? That's a good group, right? Those are fun commercials. Out of all the March Madness ones, those were probably some that I didn't get sick of. <sighs> The most, like the diet, vanilla, orange, coke. Like, I hated those commercials. I liked the announcer who was clueless. Yeah, that that was funny at first, but again, that like They kept playing tired. the same ones, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, Masters Weekend is the whole reason it's worth having HDTV. Right. It's just the most beautiful thing to watch. I can't wait till Sunday. Vibrant greens. Oh, and it, all every year, I just feel really jealous that I'm not there. And right. I'm here, and it's 45 degrees and raw. You know, but it's really the ultimate uh, sign of, like, rich people in dilapidated areas. Because, like, the grounds of the Masters of Augusta National is beautiful. Oh. Pristine. Yes. You know, not a blade of grass that's out of place. Yeah. Outside, it's, like, liquor store, gun store, liquor store, convenience store, liquor store, gun store. Really? It's supposed to be very dilapidated. See, very I've never... Run down. I've never spent much time in Georgia. I think I had a layover there once, yeah. and I'm sure I might have might have driven through, but I've never really... Well, I haven't been down there, but I know of reporter friends who have gotten to cover that and talk about, you know, a nice gig. Yeah, oh, um, that would be so that's cool. That's very high on the priority, you know, the bucket list there. Yeah. Uh, but they've gone down, and they're, they're like, blown away, because all you see is Augusta. You just assume it's, like, Georgia. You kind of have, like, a Savannah vibe. You go down the road, and you got all the trees, like the grove going down when you walk in. Yeah, but everywhere around it, it's like Chick Fil A Hooters and like all this stuff around there. You know, what's wrong with Chick Fil A and Hooters? There's some good chicken. Uh yeah. I mean, Chick Fil A can be problematic. Uh, you know, it has its own own uh, you know social issues. You like good Chick Fil A sandwich? I do. I do enjoy a good Chick Fil A sandwich. It just always the seems... waffle fries. Though, I'm not a fan. Yeah, I think they're overrated. My my biggest problem is we will always be on the road and. See a sign for Chick Fil A mm-hmm. and be like, "Oh, hey, that sounds like a nice place to stop. Get a you know, get a chicken sandwich because it's not the typical you know traveling right. fare. It's Wendy's not or, exactly, yeah. and it'll always be a Sunday." You're like, "Dang it, they're closed!" And I I can't tell you how many times that's happened. Yeah, and I don't understand why they're in the Georgia Dome. Well, yeah, I know they're from Georgia. They're based in there. I think it's the other events. The Georgia Dome will have concerts. <laughs> it, I, I agree. I because... guess, but the main reason why it's there. Well, they do a lot of college football, too, though, right? I, uh, yeah, I think they host games, but I don't think Georgia plays there. You uh, know, they'll host you know, No, like I thought it was pretty stupid. SEC game. It didn't make a whole lot of sense to me, too, yeah. when I saw Chick-fil-A would be there. Because, yeah, yeah they're not going to be 80, open. 80,000 guys, people... Yeah. Coming, you know, every Sunday, you yeah. know, eighty thousand people or whatever the number is going to be there. That's a lot of Chick Fil A sandwiches. Maybe you just maybe that one, maybe that one only is open on Sundays. Uh, you would think, but 
hey, this you gotta like people who stick to their convic- convictions. Either yes, way. yes, absolutely. So we got to, a whole lot to get to today. Uh, before we do that, hit me with some sixties. Episode it's getting 60. progressively harder. Yeah, well, yeah, but I found something that I thought were fun. How about Vladimir Sabatka? Oh, he played for the Bruins. Okay, oh eight to two thousand and ten. Yeah. Um, Patriot O lineman Dave Andrews, of course, Georgia. Yeah. How about a local tie? Mm-hmm. From eighty-five to eighty-eight, Patriot. Oh gosh, I think he might have. Was he a linebacker or a D lineman? Garen Veris, who oh, was the UMass athletic Dart- director. Is he at UMass Dartmouth? No, oh, I'm sorry, Mass Maritime. Maritime. Yep. Um, Red Sox coach Dana Lavangie. Yes, I, I will be seeing his uh, son uh, next week. Why? Do coaches have numbers in baseball? Why do they wear uniforms? Yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, some Red Sox of, you know, not really your youth, but your younger days. How about Dan Bard? Oh, yeah. Throws hard. Yeah, you uh, UNC grad, I believe. Yeah, saw him play on, uh, I think he played for the Chatham A's, if I, oh, or nice. Anglers, or whatever. Sure. Uh, Daniel Nava. Yeah, I, got, I had Nava down there. Um... One I just that kept popping up in my Google search, and I have no idea who he is. Graham Glasgow of the Detroit Lions. Oh well, yeah. I just that's a nice name though. Yeah, it kept popping up the name kind of so, Mm -hmm. and I know there's one or two other ones. I'll save those ones for you. That's very very sweet of you. I had Johnny Gomes down there uh, as a as a rookie. You know, going to some of these rookie numbers when you get the September call ups. Uh, Dallas Keuchel, former. Wareham Gateman, former Cy Young Award winner, ah. current free agent. Oh, there you yeah. go. Yeah, exactly. Uh, David Murphy, another uh, Red Sox prospect who came up, and I believe he was traded to uh, the A's. I want to say the A's Could at be. some point. Uh, Mike Lowell, when he came up with the New York Yankees, uh, war number 60. I did not know that. Uh, former uh, Red Sox outfielder, maybe a catcher, Ryan Lavernaway. Lavarnway. Lavarnway. I had one extra A in there. Uh, and then Hanley Ramirez when he got called up to the Red Sox uh, way, I, way I back when. That. I did see that. And uh, Otto Graham, you know, famous quarterback. I don't know if he was at Canton Bulldogs or something. But, oh, uh, there's, and there's another, fam- 60. another famous one I think you, you missed. Mm. Chuck Bednarik from the Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, yeah. I saw that name in there. I, I recognized the name but didn't know enough about him. I didn't want to pass him off. I believe as, he's a uh, Hall of Famer. Yeah, I saw him in the hall. I just, again, didn't, yeah. didn't know enough about him to... I just had a great football name, Benaric. Mm, Benaric, yeah, yeah. Sounds like a tough guy name. So, I know he has, his fingers are crooked. Well, I would imagine so. <laughs> I would imagine all the guys from the early NFL days. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. With the leather helmets and... Right. Yeah, yeah. And he was starting out and all that stuff, but... So, there's your 60s. Yeah. Well, 61 is going to be a lot better. I, I got a good feeling about it. I already know Levon Hernandez. That's the only one that comes to mind. Won uh, a World Series with the Marlins, pitched yeah. for the Expos, oh, absolutely, pitched absolutely. for the Giants. You know, there's definitely some 61s. I think there might be a couple of hockey ones. Too, yeah. So. Yeah. All right. Well, we have start we prepping are, now. We are going to get to some more entertaining numbers, I think, soon. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, entertaining. Speaking of entertaining, the uh, two weeks into the season... Baseball, um, I think, is in full of force, especially in the ACL. Uh, this is something I think we can kind of start off the bat with. Just how good of a league this is, pound for pound, maybe the best baseball league in the area. Oh, I I think Southeastern Mass, without a doubt, you know, there is not an easy game in the Atlanta Coast League. And 
we'll probably harp on this point for the next six, seven weeks. Mm -hmm. But when you think about it, you know, Dennis Yarmouth, a lot of people weren't talking about D.Y. early on, and they have been on a tear. We know how good Sandwich is. Falmouth is very good. Marshfield, unbelievable. And uh, is that the whole league, or am I missing somebody? Nossett, you said Nossett? Nossett. Yeah, so Nossett right now might be the worst team in that league. And Nossett is legit. Right. That's a really good baseball team. I would not be surprised if all five teams make the uh, make their respective state tournaments and also would not be surprised if all five made deep runs. Yeah. I really like that sandwich team. Uh, and that DY team, man, is a sleeper. The McCaffrey going, you know, going the distance, complete game. Um, uh, Charlie McCaffrey is the name for, yep. for the uh, Dolphins there. One hitter against, you know, what, what was a red-hot sandwich team that was getting all sort of, um, you know, I don't want to say luck, but timely hits and come-from-behind wins and – just solid base. It was they were doing everything right. Yep. And you know they just ran into a wagon of a, of a DY team. You know, just a, a stud pitcher, which is what can happen. I think that's what happened with Sandwich last year. They enter obviously they were without their head coach for that playoff game, but they enter the playoffs and they face a Mike Kennefick who throws a no hitter against old you know for old Rochester. And then what are you going to do? So that that's kind of the nature of the game. You can go throughout the whole season as this wagon of a team. And then run into one stud pitcher, yes. like a Stephen Kalanick from Nossip, for example, yep. even if they might be the worst team in the league. And who, they, they have they one might, of the best pitchers. And they might not be. And right. the thing is, is, I don't know who the best team in the ACL well, is. Well, and that's not even necessarily a slight, because, again, it's so yeah. good throughout and top it's to bottom. Uh, I get to see – Falmouth's playing Marshfield today, mm -hmm. and my first time have – you, have you seen the Rams yet? I caught the end of a game. Okay, and – Sandwich won that? Yeah, but again, it was similar like what they did to uh, 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 Barnstable, come from behind late in the game, kind of back and forth. How, and, you know, how, to my, the bigger uh, thing, how about just baseball in general on Cape Cod? Very, very good Because right Barnstable yeah. is rock solid. And yeah, well, they have Ryan Proto, who's going to UMass Lowell. Yeah. He hit a three-run bomb against Sandwich the, uh, this week. Yeah, Mashby every year is mm -hmm. right there. Up, your Upper Cape Tech Rams are always pretty good. Yeah, um, Born, uh, Bourne's Born. one and two, but but you know both their losses came in walk off fashion <laughs> in the final at bat. You know with the game tied. Yeah, the so they're in, they've been in every game. Yeah, the baseball scene in general is really really strong on Cape Cod. I'm mm -hmm. not a big fan of the whole Cape and Islands thing. You know I liked the other leagues, but I'm telling you, the one sport where. It doesn't really matter the size of your school, and I don't think it, it just anyone can win on any given day when we have that Cape and Islands baseball league. Yeah. That's going to be entertaining. Yeah, I think Monomoy is another team to watch from that Cape and Islands league. I yeah. think they have a lot of good players out there. I know they've made runs in the past. Sure. Um, so, you know, I, I love the Rothier kids, Jamie and Logan Rothier. Um, you know, those are, those are a couple of basketball names, but they've come up. I've seen on Twitter they've had a good box score and everything. Yeah. But, you know, I, I've been um, – Taken the arduous task of, of keeping statistics this year. Yeah, how's that going for you? Uh, pretty good so far. So I'm all up to date. It takes a little bit of uh, you know, a little bit of, of plugging everything in. Yeah. But I'll tell you right now, the best hitter uh, by my count on uh, Sandwich is actually uh, well, you could have the highest average is John or John Tropia, who's actually a pitcher. Okay. He's been their number four hitter. He's six for eleven with six singles. So, you know, he's there. So he's, he's hitting 545 with four runs scored. That's not bad. But the guy who sticks out to me is uh, Josh Kutcher. Uh, he's a senior, plays a catcher. He's kind of a, a backup, uh, kind of plays sparingly, comes sure. in as a pinch hitter and everything. That's what he, So he's four for nine, 
batting with a 444 average. Four singles, but they're, again, in pinchant fashion. They come in big spots. He's got a couple hit-by-pitches, three RBIs, two runs scored, a stolen base. So that's pretty well-rounded there. Um, and then, and then you know, you just have Tyler Wardico, who's a D2 commit for St. Anselm at the top of the lineup, hitting 400, 4 for 10. You know, and he's also been pitching as well. So he, he's kind of stuck out to me. He, I like Wodica. I think he's yeah. a really good baseball good, player. Good leader, you know, like real just kind of like always seems to be enjoying himself on the field. Doesn't really seem to carry any stress with him or any. Doesn't seem to be like he's laboring really hard or the moment never really gets too high for him. Isn't that the great thing about baseball? If, you know, if you can attack it with, you know, uh, just be a little more laid back and realize, hey, it's baseball. It, baseball has a different vibe to yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, you're going to fail Absolutely. more often than you're going to succeed. But if you can yeah. kind of just ha- be that little more laid back attitude, the success usually follows because the kids who really are just up there and stressing, they're the ones who typically struggle more. Yeah. Yeah, you just just let it happen, you know. You're going to fail seven out of ten times. Yeah, I mean, if you're all, good. Yeah, and that puts you in the Hall of Fame, right? Right. So yeah. you're an all star. Yeah, and I think, you know, the the sandwich team to their credit of, of kind of being this like touch by God sort of team early on is they've uh, they're they're only hitting two fifty five as a as a team. It's also hard to hit when it's forty degrees out. When it's forty wrong. degrees, yeah, exactly. And then, you know, you can put the ball in play and then yeah. if it's a mis you know, misplayed ball, then it's an error and that hurts your average. So that's some of that. But they've gotten back to back complete game performances, albeit one was in a losing effort uh, yeah. to DY. From uh, Dylan Ryan and Johnny Tropia. Uh, Dylan, Dylan Ryan's throwing the 375 ERA. Uh, Tropia was touched up a little bit more for with a 6 ERA, but they've both gone 12 innings. Uh, Ryan has 18 strikeouts. Tropia has 7 so far. So I think that's a, a pretty good start for them. Look at you, man. A good... Now, are, nice. you doing it for, are you doing it for Bourne as well? Yes, I am. And Bourne, upper cape? upper cape, softball, oh, baseball, wow. boys lacrosse, girls lacrosse. I wish I had had the foresight to try. I just know that every time I've tried similar feats in the past, it, I've run into issues. But in this day and age, it should be easy. Yeah, it's tough. You know, and at the very least, it's just, hey, you know, I had a bad game. You don't want to talk to me. That's cool. I'll give you a day send off. Just, just just send me a picture of the book. Yeah. Yeah. That's And that's the thing is I actually might be able to do it because I do have most books. Yeah. So that is cool. Um so sandwich sits at what right now? Four they're, and they're one. They're four and one, two and one. The ACL game behind, uh, you know, Den- Dennis Yarmouth right now, who's undefeated, been both regular and league play. Yeah, I believe they're four now. That sounds right to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and and Falmouth uh, had a bit of a walk off against Nauset, right? Yeah, that talk about a crazy game. So the Clippers came out, got themselves a four nothing lead. Uh, led five to two, four four runs in the top of the first mm-hmm. uh, at Nosset. Took a five two lead into the bottom of the seventh, and Alex Frat and Tony had been, you know, just mowing them down. Frat has been their best pitcher so far mm-hmm. this year, just you know throwing strikes, and ran into. I guess he ran out of gas. Put two guys on a walk and a hit batter. Lucas Johnson Jr. Who. Uh, you know, we talk about kids who the moment doesn't seem to really phase. Mm-hmm. He seems like he's really kind of coming to his own in that way. Just goes out and does his job. And got the first two batters. So one out away. And one out away gives up a three-run bob. 
to tie the game. Yeah. It's 5-5. Five, five, they go to extra innings. and I think that was Kalanick, too. It was Kalanick. Yeah. And the, you know, the Clippers, rather than say, here we go again, because at that point they were 1-3 and three and on a three-game losing streak with only really one bad loss in there, the one in the sandwich. Um, you know, they come back out in the top of the inning and they scratch and claw and they score on a pass ball. Nick Cavosa comes in. I believe Max Roman had a big hit in that inning. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. A couple of post-188 guys. Yeah, they go up 6-5, to five, and then uh, Johnson comes back out and struggled a little bit. I think he put two guys on but got through the uh, you know the bottom of the eighth inning, and Falmouth gets a huge 6-5 win because how much better does 2-3 and three sound than 1-4? and four? Right. Big, and, big difference. And especially you get that win in the ACL. Right. So they... 1-1? Uh, one 1-2 one. One because they lost to Sandwich and they lost to D.Y. And D.Y., okay. So, okay. But, you know, D.Y., they lost to McCaffrey. And right. The Sandwich game, you know, that was last Friday, I believe. You know, that was more their own doing, right? It was yeah, kind of they just woes could not get location. it out. You know, gave up five in the second inning and then six in the third. Yeah. Down 11 to nothing. After that, you know, who cares? I think it was 13 to four or 14 to three. Right. Or something, 13 to four. Um, ugly game, but. Get a chance today. They're going to play Marshfield today. If they were able to beat the Rams and go through that first half of the ACL at two and two, you know that's a win. That's a win. Yeah. So we'll Absolutely. see. Big win today. I think Sammy Griesbauer is going to at least get the start today. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking to bounce back from that start against Sandwich. So kind of a big day for Sam. We'll see how that goes. Okay. All right. Absolutely. And over in Bourne, um, you know, fresh off their, uh, I think it was eleven one victory at home against Martha's Vineyard last Friday. Yeah. Uh, that was the first of the Sean Donvin era. Uh, for the Canalmen, they've lost. Uh, they lost one game this week. They're rained out for for Dy earlier or Dr. Earlier I was going to say week. Dy. That's a yeah. win. <laughs> Wait out there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but they went down to Seekonk for an SEC small game. Seekonk probably has the best pitching in the conference, and they just happened to face the best pitcher of the best pitching staff in the conference. Uh, Horowitz is his name. I'm blanking on his first first name there, but he won six innings at 11 Ks, one earned run. Uh, ben Smith, who's uh, Bourne's ace in his second start of the year, uh, matched him. It was a 2-2 game through the sixth inning. He won six, struck out six, uh, maybe had one walk or yep. one or a couple walks. He, much better performance. He's a little more wild against Upper Cape to open the season, but he was much more controlled. Worked out of a big uh, first and third, two-out jam in the bottom of the sixth inning uh, to keep it at a 2-2 game. Unfortunately, they get walked off on. Uh, in, in the in the top of the seventh, so again two losses for the Canalmen, but both in the, coming down to the final at bat. Um, two guys who are hitting over six hundred right now are Jack Neal and Alex Sorrenti Burns, uh, both seniors. Sorrenti Burns was the athlete of the week this week. Over six hundred. Uh, Sorrenti Burns is six for ten. Uh, I have Jack Neal for five for eight. Jack Neal with three singles, a double, and a triple, uh, and then five singles for uh, um, Sorrenti Burns. Sorrenti Burns also has two steals to go with as a catcher. And then the great thing about him uh, is that what, what Coach Donovan was saying is that, you know, as a first-year manager, it takes so much pressure off of him knowing that Sorrenti Burns can just make the calls. He doesn't have to call the games for him. He trusts his senior catcher. Wow. He's been a three-year starter for the Canalman who knows the staff. And, and talking to him when I, when I did the Athlete of the Week for him, he's like – people really shake me off now. So it's, he's kind of got like a Chris Sale, Sandy Leone type of uh, vibe going on with his staff. I'll tell you, that is a art form. And you really, really have to have 
a knowledge of the game and the hitters that you're facing and able mm-hmm. to do that. And that is impressive because I see most of these coaching staffs, especially the more veteran ones, they have charts on how the kids have done it before, where they've hit the ball, they know how they want to approach it. Right. And not to have that you know, backup from the coaching staff to say, hey, you know, you want to work this guy with fastballs in and you know down in the you know down well maybe in. between innings and stuff they yeah. have those conversations but in games okay well this is what this is like I don't think he looks over to Sean and says all right what are we calling here yeah you know, wait, waits for the sign so. no dude I'm t- I am super impressed that yeah. is that is tough to do yeah so I think that's you know been a huge kind of uh, I don't want to say crutch for Sean yeah but you know a, a nice thing to have sure early going so okay, I can focus on where I want to align my guys or watch other things or whatever whatever the case is that, that he has to do and then pitching wise outside of Smith uh, they got a great start in that win against Martha's Vineyard uh, from from junior Chris Darcy. He won five innings, gave up six hits, one walk, six strikeouts, no runs for the win. Uh, so he, he's rocking a, a solid uh, zero ERA right now. You know, Ben Smith, even though he's allowed eight runs, it's only two been earned. Yeah. So he, that... He's going over 10 innings right now. He's He's got a 1-8 ERA. You know, that's a pretty good team. Team ERA is one eight seven five right now. Uh, and and they're batting pretty well, which is what what uh, you know Coach Donovan said it was going to be the strength of this team right now is uh, they're hitting three twenty nine as a team. That is a very good number. Uh, but another good team is uh, the, your your Mashpee Falcons who are, are flying south. <laughs> yes, the Falcons are flying south for the uh, for spring training. They'll be heading down. Uh, actually, they're probably landing right about now as we're recording because I know they had an early uh, flight this morning. Going down for spring training at Vero Beach in Dodgertown. They'll play, you know, I want to say basically two or three games a day for a four or five day stretch. Mm-hmm. They'll be there for most of the vacation week. And they're all scrimmages against teams from all over the country. I know in the past they played teams from like Jersey, uh, New Hampshire, Maine. A lot of New England type teams go down because mm-hmm. the weather up here stinks. So sure. they go down. And it's a real good opportunity for them to see how everyone can pitch and how everyone can, you know, play different positions and tinker with lineups and, you know, try out different first and third plays, all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And also a huge bonding uh, Absolutely. opportunity. I so I think it's the team's off to a good start. They're unbeaten? Three no, and they're 3-1. and one. They okay. lost to Cohasset uh, Wednesday night. It was a 4-3 game going to the 7th, and uh, Willie Baker came in and struggled a little bit. They, the Skippers, I hate that name, the Skippers <laughs> were able to uh, cross the plate with uh, four runs there to open it up. But they had been down 3 to nothing earlier in the game. They fought back. really like how 8th uh, grader, um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on his name, Colton uh, Colloran, okay. he's coming along really nicely. Uh Plays second base, doing a little pitching. He's done well. Nick Story's done a nice job. Zach Rogers threw a uh, shutout the other day. Very nice. So even though they, I don't think this Falcons team is to the same pedigree as ones we've seen the last four or five years. Sure, yeah. It's such a good program, Dan Patnode has, that you know they're going to have a winning record when all is said and done. They are going to be a tough out in the state tournament. Mm-hmm. And hey, Get to you know late May, early June, you get hot. Who knows? So we'll see. But Falcons are the Falcons. I did see that Sandwich will play them in a home and home series. I believe they're playing on Monday, or the first day back from. Okay, uh, so that's going to be so that would be interesting to see how how well that pays off. Then well, playing up a, a division and seeing how uh, you also wonder though, 
how well I, I would imagine they'd probably be back Thursday or Friday, so that's enough time to you yeah. know kind of get back into the norm. It'll be fun, interesting to see how does Mashby approach it. Do they go with their best pitcher? Does mm-hmm. Sandwich think you know because it's a D four team, maybe they throw out oh, a kid yeah. who? But I I, I got to imagine Brian Tomasini's well informed about the Mashby team. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, no, knows all the players. Yeah, and... Will, well, Willie Baker's a one eighty eight kid, mm-hmm. right? So they've got. Uh... I think I think Puchel was on the junior team. Uh, yeah, Puchel and Jared Barr played on yeah. the junior team. So, mm-hmm. well, we all know that. All the, we, you and I talk about it all the time. I and mean, I think we were talking about it off air. The Cape, or actually we talked about it on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. The Cape has ball players. Yeah, they can ball. Yeah, and 188, you know, Coach Tomasini has got, it's like going into a convenience store, or a shopping store, but not stopping shopping. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> not, not today. And you just, uh, I need a left fielder. Okay, I'll go over yeah. there. I need a third baseman. It, it's amazing. And it's a great uh, scouting tool for him as a high school manager, high school coach. Yeah, you know, absolutely. So knowing everyone and then getting their strengths. Okay, well, you're, you're a junior. Come on my team. We're going to learn everything about you. Then we're going to expose you next year. And the funny <laughs> yeah. thing is, is that it's one of the only sports, you know, that's the Thanksgiving rivalry, right? It's right. sandwich versus Mashby. But where else do they play? Yeah, they don't play basketball. They don't play hockey. No. Yeah. So this is, I think, the... At least this Soccer, year. they don't play. Lacrosse, th- they don't play. No, I think this is the first athletic event between, I could be wrong, but Sandwich and Mashby since Thanksgiving Day. I think this is I the first. I believe that's right. Yeah. So it'll be fun. And for you and I, double dipping. We love right. that. That's, so. I'm always a fan of that. Uh, real quick before we move over to something else, the Upper Cape Rams have won two straight after dropping two straight from since their opener against Bourne. So that puts them at three and two on the year. Uh, and what are they? One and one in the Max Small now. So uh, they came up with a nice win uh, against Norfolk Aggie at Doran Park on Wednesday. Uh, and who got the win there? Who got the Blake Martin first uh, first career start, first career win? Um, and then who else? Who, who else has been p- pitching pretty well for them? They have Jeremy Wurtzberger, who's RBIs in every game. He's a senior outfielder. They brought him in to get a little pitching. Uh, so he, he's he's did all right there. And then closing out the game. Uh, was a Keith Roderick uh, getting the save, picking up the save situation for them. And the great thing about you, you want to talk about the best hitters so far. This is a Wareham kid. Uh, Jared Westgate, senior third baseman, 10 for 15, just rocking a solid uh, 666 average right now. Uh, but but more than that, the OPS is what, what's blowing blowing me away. So he's six. So he's 10 for 15. He's got five singles, three doubles, two triples, two walks, Four RBIs, six runs scored, and four stolen bases. And he pitches. So what else has he done? Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. He's been the best player, at least that I've been able to keep eyes on. Yeah. Um, to date. That to is that is what we call on a tear. Yeah. Yeah. Just great start. Great start right out of the pen. And then, like I said, he, he was used sparingly last year uh, on the mount. They had a little bit more pitching going on, but they're a little bit lighter as they kind of get everyone up to speed again. <clears throat> again. Um, but they're, so they're going to be relying on him heavily. And, and they, you know, head coach Gabe Catino said they will likely be used uh, in relief situations, but more, you know, maybe towards the end of the year, he, you might see him stretched out to be a starter a little bit more. Uh, hey, that is, that is how to start a year, because even if you have a slump, right. your, your numbers are going to be pretty good at the end of the year. 
Yeah, and they got uh, you know, fourteen of their forty hits have been gone for extra bases, including the one one dinger from uh, Joey McCardle. Uh, they're batting uh, three forty one as a team. Yeah, a little bit high on the ERA, a four point six eight ERA at this point. Uh, and they're playing some high scoring games. Yeah, some high scoring games. Riley Thornell had has had the best start so far for them. Uh, five and two thirds, five hits, one walk, uh, five strikeouts, one earned. In the win, so he's rocking a one seven three ERA to this point. That is not bad. Good, good stuff all the way around. You got anything in softball worth talking about? Yeah, so it's been a, it was a tough week for softball. Um, right now, between my three teams, they have one win to share. Oof. Uh, so Sandwich has had a tough go over. They've been hit with the injury bug. Their uh, star center fielder Jacks Bellu, I believe that's how you pronounce her last name, Bellu, um, has been out. Uh, they're off the entire spring break, so they get to rest up a little bit. They had another player break their finger in practice uh, last weekend. Another one that's going to be out a week and a half with a foot injury. Um, so you know, they're they're for a thin team, they're dwindling quickly, uh, and and that that's what I think the problem is. You know, I think they're they're playing dy. They lost sixteen to six on Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, they scored the first six runs. They had two home runs in the game. One girl, uh, I'm I'm going to be blanking on her name. Uh, I'm blank, but her was o o for the season. Didn't have a varsity hit yet. Wow, goes yard first varsity hit, and like she was so excited. It was no fence, yeah. You know, there, so she was so excited. <laughs> By the time that the outfielders got to her from DY, she was rounding third base. So she was like no home run trot, you know, just hustling the whole way around. But something tells me she'll get the the hang of it. Well, you know, you know when those fenceless fields. You kind of do have to sprint because you never know if yeah. they if they're gonna get to it. And the funny thing is, is that the Falmouth girls had to play on the junior varsity field because mm-hmm. of the field conditions with the rain we had this week, and saw a couple home runs there. And they're like the small, shorter fields. Well, it? no, it's it's the t- same size field, but the varsity field has a fence. Oh, okay. okay. So, but the JV field no fence, so they're mm-hmm. hitting balls to the gap that would have been a double. Right, but because they got to the, you know, there was nothing to stop the ball. They just kept running, and you know, we'll talk about the runs they've been putting. Well, up. yeah, no, I think that's a perfect segue because, like I said, sandwich zero and five, zero and three, a couple of injuries right now. We hope they get better. Well, the Clippers have been scoring runs in bunches, thirty three runs in their last two mm-hmm. games. They're sitting at a four and one on the season right now. They had a loss to Dy, got shut down by uh, the, one of the McGaffigans. I think it was Kayla McGaffigan. But ever since that game, they have been just smoking the ball they beat sandwich then went out and put up 17 on bishop stang and then mm-hmm. 16 yesterday or i think wednesday against nauset um really up and down the lineup you just talk about girls with three hit games it's been ridiculous um T- uh, liz tuttle's been crushing the ball and she i think she's hitting in the seven hole um charlotte sylvia the uh she's the transfer from chicago she's been really doing well Abby Pope, but Grace Kwan. Grace Kwan, uh, home run short of the cycle the other day. Okay. Uh, three for three day. Um, drove in four runs, I believe. She was my athlete of the week. She is hitting seven for 11, which I believe is 636 over her oh, wow. the last yeah. two games. Yeah. Or uh, last three games. Just on a tear. The Clippers are getting it done. So, And then over in Mashpee, mm. they are undefeated, 3-0. and Okay. Uh, they also will not play over spring ber- uh, spring mm-hmm. vacation week. But, you know, up and down the lineup, uh, Skylar Dutra and Maddie Sousa both have big years. But how about Jaden Bryant, eighth-grade catcher? Talk about batting average. 
She's hitting 900 right now. Oh, wow. Like a solid 9 for 10? or 9 like, for 10. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's a good day. That's a good yeah, day at the so, dish. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple of sack, fr- sack flies in there, which don't hurt your batting average. For sure. Um, but, yeah, she's driving the ball to all fields. Um, situational hitting, you name it, and she's a starting catcher and one of right. the best catchers in the South Shore League. It's Eighth grader, the girl is a star. Yeah, and yeah. her brother Jagger has uh, been doing it for the baseball team too. Also a great name. Yeah, also a great name. Um, born a, a very young team, much like uh, uh, your your Mashpee Falcons over there. One and two, uh, so they've lost two straight since opening the season with twenty nine runs against uh, Martha's Vineyard, but they played. Uh, a, Dighton Rehoboth in their second game, which is a Division II perennial deep power. They reached the quarterfinals last year. They won uh, the semifinals the year before going 20-1. and one. So they're just up there, you know, yeah. turning out talent all the time. Uh, and then they lost a uh, two-run game to Seekonk, which is a game they, they probably should have won. Uh, but, again, it was a 9-7 game, so it kind of goes back and forth there. But uh, Abby Russell, who's been filling in for Emily Stroney uh, in the circle... Uh, has been faring well in the circle, but she has been far and away their best hitter, their leadoff hitter for the Canalman. She was 6-for-6 six six in two games this week. Uh, a couple of doubles, a triple in there as well. Uh, so she's a, a tiny little thing, but packs a punch. You know, the the uh, I guess pound for pound, you know, one of the better hitters sure. uh, on the team there. Of course, you got Kaya Fernandez. Um, who else? Lexi Morris is doing the catching back there. So, again, this is a, a young team that, again, I, I expect to go to the playoffs um, as soon as they get a little bit healthier in the circle. Uh, Upper Cape also dealing with the same issues that uh, Sandwich is having at 0-5 right now. Um, they got some big boppers. They got some people who can really tear the cover off the ball. They, Jordan McCoy has two or three home runs right now, and I think they're not – of the inside the park variety, they're yeah. you know the out of the yard type, uh, and so is Zoe Janicki, who's been the starter there. But again, like I, I want to say, it was Southeastern that they played this week, and they're trailing, uh, they're leading nine seven. They give up twelve runs, yeah. So now it's like twenty, you know, it's like they they take a twenty to nine lead. The opponent does uh, Southeastern yeah. on Upper Cape, and then they pull within like. Four or five runs, you know, they get they they play like six runs in the in the bottom of the seventh, and you just come up short. So, pitching defense, uh, we knew Mike Carrier was going to be replacing six of his eight starters from last year, six of his nine. I was going to say they um, only play with eight. In your well, team? yeah, <laughs> positional players yeah, okay. outside of uh, the pitcher there. Um, but yeah, six of the eight fielders. Yeah. Uh, so that that's going to be a little bit tough go. Growing pains. Yeah, and if you're going to be pitching to contact and that sort of thing, then you need a strong, uh, strong defense behind you. You want to uh, want to talk some lacrosse? Sure. We're going to probably have to zip through Lax. Uh, so we we'll got s- some time. We're at thirty four minutes. Let's we'll start with uh, start with the Falmouth boys who had a big game yesterday and did. Not have a good showing. They lost to Marshfield, fifteen to four. Now, you and I know Marshfield is. They look like the team to beat. Right well, now. and I think I, I think we said this off the air. Is if Falmouth and Sandwich played as closely as you did, and Marshfield routed uh, Sandwich at home. It was like yeah. fourteen to one. Yeah, and, and I think beat, the one was in the third quarter. Yeah, they beat Falmouth uh, fifteen to four. It was two two after one quarter, and you know Falmouth's feeling pretty good about themselves. But then the Rams outscored them. Uh, Eight to one in the second quarter, mm-hmm. so it's ten three at the half, and just never got close after that. And the thing is, is I talked to Rory Morris after the game. 
and he really thought Jack Hamilton, their goalie, played one of his best games of the year. He said that you know the Rams just controlled the ball, and when Falmouth had the ball, they were able to score. Yeah. They just weren't able to you know control the ball. So uh, the Rams, you know, Division One power, and they look like they they might be good enough to challenge Hingham for the South this year. So you know that is tough loss. Falmouth now has. Yeah, now, BC High's got to be in. Yeah, BC High also. And yeah. D1 is very, very strong uh, this year in the South. Um, you know, 2-2 two and two in the ACL, and you got to figure what sucks is your chances of winning the league pretty much out the door. You know, you're, it's only mid-April, and right. you and would need a lot of help. And that's the downside about scheduling these league games so early in the season is that you can effectively win or lose the league by the end of April, depending Absolutely. on how you perform in that. Yeah, you know, especially in a league that's as top heavy, you know we know that we all we knew that Sandwich and Falmouth were gonna be very close to one another. Mm-hmm. That, uh, gosh, how many one goal games have those two teams right, played over the last right, couple exactly. of years? But Marshfield this year is just a step above. So that pretty much looks like it's over. And you know, you hate to say that, but who barring something drastic happening. Yeah, they would have to lose twice um and or actually you know I guess sandwich if sandwich were able to win up there and win out right yeah the, the blue knights would have a chance to tie for the league right so but sandwich still has to play Falmouth again and still has to play Marshfield again so but they're the only team that really has a you know a hope to do that um well what I what I will give Falmouth credit for right they don't play on a synthetic turf right they play on the grass they play on the grass and that's that's a big Advantage, I think, because Marshfield plays on the grass as well. No, so, Marshfield's got the turf. That, that, that's what I mean. Yeah, that's yeah. what I mean. I'm sorry. Uh, so Sandwich has to go to Falmouth again. Marshfield already played at Falmouth. Uh, Marshfield played was at Falmouth. Falmouth. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, I think it is next year. They'll all be on the turf. Um, but when you're that skilled, I don't think it makes a difference. You know, that Marshfield team can just do, they move the ball too well. They control it too well. Mm-hmm. And they're tough, you know. And Falmouth got frustrated. And that's the one thing is that team has had a difficulty um, controlling their emotions. You know, mm-hmm. they have taken some penalties that have really cost them that are not the smartest penalties. And they've got to clean that stuff up. You know, just that simple. You have to keep your head in these games because... You go shorthanded in lacrosse, and it's almost what it's got to be better than fifty percent chance that you yeah, give up a goal. And you're playing, you know, you're giving an extra man to a team like Marshfield. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, you, yeah. You, know, you can get away with that with the DYs of the world or something like sure, that. Sure, but you can't do it against good teams. Right. So you have to play against a team that is better than you. You almost have to be perfect to have a chance. Mm-hmm. And when you give away possession, you're you know really just shooting yourself in the foot. And that's the name of the game, right? I mean, that's like one of the most overused terms I hear in lacrosse all the time. And I think it's true. I don't mean that as like a slight to anybody. I mean, possession, possession is the key to the game. It absolutely is. On the boy side, the girl side, it does not matter. If you can control that ball, you are you know, setting the tempo, you are controlling the action, you are being proactive, not reactive. Yeah. And, you know, that is just the way to dominate that game. If you can control the ball, you can 
you know, control everything. Until shot clock comes into play, which may be working its way into the pipeline I soon. I personally would love to see a shot clock in lacrosse. Yeah. I, they have it in the college game. Well, and there's so... Yeah, and even like there's... I feel like there's a lot of parallels to basketball and the way that it's kind of played. Yeah. You get the half-court kind of thing set up. Everyone kind of sets in there. You can go run the fast break. You can run a two-man game. Yeah. You know, a little pick-and-roll type stuff. It's, in basketball, it would just make... Like the the time that there was no shot clock there, like the the before the shot clock era, that had to be the worst game to watch because then you're just playing catch, you're well, just playing pass. Well, and the funny thing is, is that the National Federation, which Massachusetts is one of only two uh, states that does not belong to the federation, um, and they're voting on joining, which I believe they're actually going to join. The federation does not mandate a shot clock in basketball. Mm-hmm. And if you are a shot clock state, which Massachusetts is, you can petition to keep it, which they will, because, you know, basketball without the shot clock is awful. But in a lot of states, they don't have a shot clock. And that style of play that you just mentioned is still in vogue in a lot of places. And can you imagine having to watch these games where, you know, once you make half court in the boys game and in the girls game, you don't even have to. Right. You just hold on to the ball. That's Horrible. Yeah, it's just, you just got Bob Cousy dribbling in circles around you, you know? Yeah, that's <laughs> not fun. You yeah. know? Who wants to watch that? Yeah. Uh, one team I would say it's been fun to watch. They've kind of righted their ship a little bit. Sandwich Boys lacrosse uh, starting off 0-2. T- two tough teams, obviously, with Marshfield and Norwell to open up the season Absolutely. with. Uh, but they, they faced that, you know, as, as early of a must-win game as you could probably have against Falmouth. Um, and then they, they routed D.Y. 14-1, 40 seconds away from a shutout, and then they gave up the goal. That D.Y. team is um, not good. Yeah, and they're, and they're right, right, you know, right back into the thick of it, 2-1 in the ACL. You know, so what, what started off uh, to open the season, 0-1, uh, 0-2 and and overall, you know, they're right back in the thick of it at 2-2. Two two. Um, you know, they're part in, in talking to head coach Mike McNeil, uh, he didn't use the word rebuilding, but he's like, there's a lot of younger pieces here that we're sure. figuring out how it works. Particularly on the back end, they had uh, Dan Bader, Jesse Woodle uh, playing alongside, um, God, I'm blanking on, Jacob Mato was a senior captain for them. So, again, he, he usually likes to have his senior leaders in the back, but he's going with a little different of a route. Um, and then he's got some young guys coming up, uh, uh, Tim Sutton, and and Jacob uh, Jacob Sutton and Tim Souza, uh, a couple of midfielders there who got their first varsity goals. Have been playing big minutes, especially he had five guys on the field against Falmouth late in the game, you know, in crunch time. So yeah. you're putting five freshmen on the field with a team that has sixty some odd players in the program, a couple of D one commits on the team. Yeah. You know, that, that's a big spot to be in. He was, just came away very impressed with their poise. I thought they did a great job in that game. They really did a good – and, again, they possessed the ball and right. when they had to, and they, you know, won key ground balls. And that's the other thing we, you and I haven't really talked about, but not only possession, but winning the balls on the ground. Right, and, and with New England playing a more physical brand of lacrosse, that yeah. ground ball step becomes all the more, more important. Absolutely. All the more important. A- absolutely. So that it. And that's something that I think the Knights have been able to do. The only th- my only concern with Sandwich is I wonder if they, you know, they need to spread the offense out a little bit more. Um, Wiper and who's the other one? Um, well, Wiper and Chapman, yeah. So yeah. They, they did so in uh, D.Y., uh, against D.Y., that will do it. You know, obviously there was a couple, I think they had 
10 different goal scorers in that game. Okay. You know, something along those lines, so if eight it, or nine. Yeah, if Sandwich can spread it out offensively and get that third guy, maybe right. fourth guy, who can give you the two or three here and there, I think they're going to be a really dangerous team, and they're going to improve as the season goes along. That that Sandwich team could uh, make a run in detail. Yeah, and Sutton uh, has been doing the face-off duties in place of Tim Ladner, who should be coming back soon, kind of, kind of slowly gearing him up. I don't think with the way that he was able to win, he won all the face-offs against D.Y. I think he must have held his own to yeah, a certain more, degree definitely um, held his own against Falmouth. Um, yeah, and that's that's something big. You know, that's you get him back. It's a l- added luxury at that point. You get a guy who's winning ninety percent of his faceoffs. You know, that's that's a big a big deal. Um, same could be said for the Bourne uh, lacrosse team, who's two and zero right now. Uh, didn't play this week. They played today. Uh, I want to say Aponiquit. I think they play Aponiquit. Two and zero. They routed Mashpee. Uh, it was like twenty to four. Twenty seven. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, still, that game got out of hand pretty quickly. Uh, they jumped up to a pretty quick lead by the end of the first quarter, and sure. then never really looked back. Senior-laden team, Kyle McGuire, eighty, you know, above 80, 85% on his faceoffs. Uh, you mentioned the ground balls. He pretty much just looks for Mike Benito, who's playing on the on the ends uh, during yep. every faceoff there on the corners, and he gobbles up everything. I mean, I must have... It must have been on three, four, five straight faceoffs where the ball was hitting his direction, and then takes it and then just enters right into the box and they just go right back to work. There you go. You got Mulkern, you got Hess on, uh, you know, deep in the box, deep down low, playing behind kind of that X roll. Uh, either one can be there. So then you have mismatch problems because you have to keep two eyes back there. That team's loaded. I I, I don't see them stumbling until late, uh, you know, later in the season. Sure. Uh, when they get that, the holes, the sandwiches of the world is going to be a great competition. Um, that's I, I can't wait for that game, actually. That, it'll be a lot of fun. And then over in Upper Cape, uh, kudos to Bill O'Connell, his first lacrosse win of the year. Uh, they've won two in a row, two and two in the MAC. You're probably going to see him today against Mashpee. Yep, I'm heading up there today. Um, you know, Bill raves about the uh, the athlete, athletes of Mashpee. He's obviously very uh, familiar with them, yep. uh, playing, you know, being the sandwich football coach for as long as he was. Uh, but that I expect that to be a, a very good physical game. Josh Winiarski, 21 goals through the first five games of the season, so he's averaging four around there. He's has 151 goals for his career, if my count is correct. That's awesome. Uh, so he should be closing in on 200 goals in yeah. a matter of, <laughs> very shortly. Yeah, that should happen uh, sometime in May, you would figure, that, yeah. uh, that the pace he's going at. Yeah, and that mastery team they're facing off against, you know, other than that game with Bourne, they've done pretty well. They're 2-1 overall. The mm-hmm. only loss was the one to Bourne. Um, just, but again, I don't, I, I don't even take that as like a slight either. I no. think that Bourne team is just very senior-laden, no, be- very I experienced. I, I think the same thing. Uh, they just beat Abington 13-6 to the other day, and Abington got most of their goals in the fourth quarter against mm-hmm. Mastery's Reserves. Um, the Falcons are playing pretty well. Jack Howard, six goals, four assists the other day in the win against Abington. I don't think he played against Bourne either. Well, that would also have, yeah. that would have hurt because he's their best offensive player. Um you know, Stephen Robinson Wall doing a nice job. I think he had a goal and three assists in that one. Caesar Hendricks has done a good job. And I think the real story in this team, though, is the play of the goaltender. Um, you know, Cade Neaton, he had 17 saves out of 23 shots against Abington. Mm-hmm. Uh, similar in their opener. Obviously didn't do as well against Bourne, but the kid is a freshman. He is fearless. I love the way he plays. And against the teams that are... 
on their level, you know, Bourne being on a little slightly higher level, against teams they match up well with, he is the difference maker. Yeah. And I think they have a chance to be a playoff team. You know, we'll see how they do going forward. You get into that South Shore League, I mean, you know, that's two losses against no, Cohasset. That's two right. losses against Norwell. But the rest of these teams, they should be able to hang with. You know, if they win the games they should and take care of business, they could sneak in. They would be 11 and 9, 12 and 8. So, yeah. And like I said, I think a, a great, like, I, I really enjoy kind of the head to head matchup of this Upper Cape and Mashby team because I, I think Mashby or Upper Cape is a very physical team. Yep. I uh, like minded. I think they're, you know, within the same tier. Sure. You know, I agree how, with that. Wherever you want to rank them, I don't know, but yeah. I think they're in that same tier. Um, and I think they're starting to figure things out over in Upper Cape. So I, I think that's a good litmus test for the Rams. Yep. And then, again, a, a good test. Yeah, you know, someone who can push Mashby. I'm going to tell you, I think it's these are the games that are must-win for the Falcons. You have to win these games if you want to be a postseason team. Well, and if you're already scheduling four losses in your league. Like yeah, you are, yeah, absolutely. you so, got to win those out-of-league games. It, it's going to be a it's going to be a really fun game to watch today. I'm looking forward to it. And I also like the 3.30 start. <laughs> oh, that's a beautiful thing, too. Let's close with girls lacrosse. Uh, let's, sandwich has been, uh, you know, you talked about opening the season with league play, kind of putting the league like out of out of reach already uh, yeah 3-0 3-0 in the ACL and, yeah. and they, you know they've they have the win against Marshfield and the win against and the win against Falmouth yeah. so yeah they are in the driver's seat to say the least yeah and again you know I when they beat Falmouth last week I'd never seen like Kelsey I feel like as a Kelsey beating the head coach is kind of a stoic person I would agree with um, that. you know if any emotion she shows it's maybe uh you know frustration or anger or something like that she can uh, be but, a little yeah no, she's passionate she's, yeah. she's definitely passionate and uh, but she was she loved that win against Falmouth yeah because of how it happened it was battling between O'Rourke and uh, uh, Sam Garassi and Leah Mahoney, who kind of you know one up, uh, you know, just face guarded uh, Quinn O'Rourke, who still had four goals, yeah. but again trying to deny her as much as they could. Um, and then they just you know roll over uh, Dy as well, and that that's a, a good victory there. Sure. Um, but again, to come out of the gates like that, you know what's staring you right, you know, as you enter the season with Marshfield and Falmouth right out of the gates. You get a little bit of a, a breather with D.Y. there, and then you get right back into work. And it's Sam Garassi, D2 players next year. They have Ingrid, Ingrid Noss. They have uh, Macy White. So these are some of the younger players, too, yep. who are veterans now because of that eighth-grade STEM team that they've been able to bring up and kind of groom. Well, and also you got the a lot of those girls also played varsity field hockey. So right, so they know they, her. Yeah, different sport, but you know they've got the you know the relationship with the coach, and they've got – a varsity season under their belt. Maybe right. it wasn't a varsity lacrosse season, but still it's that experience of playing at that level, at that speed. Mm -hmm. You know, that certainly helps. And I think, you know, the Knights are looking pretty, you know, going forward. They should, uh, you know, we know they're pro they're going to be a, a state tournament team, you know, barring a collapse that, you know, you just can't foresee. Yeah. Uh, it's a matter of how many wins are they able to pile up going forward. Yeah, and I think, you know, I, I will say um, I expect a little bit of a different outcome when they go down to Falmouth later in the year. Um, I know Kelsey hates going to, you know, any place that has grass because it really is such a different game, and let alone on the field hockey field. Oh, you know, yeah. That's something completely different. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it, it, things tend to slow down. I think for if you're a turf team who only practices on turf and plays 
say, say I don't know, throw a number out there, seventy five percent of your games yeah. on the turf. It's different. That is a big difference, and I I think it's harder to go from turf to grass than grass to turf. Oh, I totally agree with that, and you know, the I think the girls enjoy going from the grass to the turf, the Falmouth girls, because the game does speed up. But it is, you know, it's a change for them as well, um, because you are used to. You know, slugging it out, you know, right, you know, right. even in practice. So uh, the Falmouth girls lost a tough one yesterday on a turf uh, mm-hmm. field up at Marshfield. Game got a little out of hand in the second half. They lost 19-7. to <clears throat> But the reason this game stands out to me is, talking to Derek Zara after the game, I've never heard him so ticked off. And it wasn't that he was ticked off at his players. He was ticked off at the officiating because... The amount of fouls that were called when Falmouth attempted to defend Molly Shaw, who's the best player for the mm-hmm. Rams. And he said, I just didn't know what to tell my girls. He said, because everything that they tried to do, which is what we teach, was called you know, an infraction. And it, it was just so frustrating. Yeah. And it piled up. And it, you know, 9-5 at halftime. So it's game. You know, you're yeah. still in it, especially in lacrosse. You can score four sure, goals like right. that. But the amount of, you know, when you commit a foul in lacrosse, in girls lacrosse, you get that shooting space foul, which is basically a layup. Right. And and if you're anywhere close, that's going in. Exactly. (laughs) So uh, the the fouls piled up, the shooting space violations, and, you know, Molly Shaw was basically able to, you know, practice her shooting on, you know, poor Hannah Tovey, Mm -hmm. who, you know, did her best. But what are you going to do? You're at such a disadvantage as a goaltender. Absolutely. So uh, he was really, really frustrated. Going to be interesting to see when Marshfield has to come down and play in Falmouth on the grass against, you know, well, with referees that are from this area who are more familiar with Falmouth style of play. Right. right. See how that game maybe changes up. So, uh, but yeah, he was not in a good mood yesterday at all. Well, yeah, I got to imagine this. For, I, I, I would imagine just the number of foul calls and, and whether it's field hockey or the girls lacrosse game gets frustrating for anybody i know it's frustrating for me to watch as absolutely a, you know unbiased spectator yeah but if you're you know if you have dogs in the fight then i would be pretty pissed off myself yeah so that was uh it was an, it, it made for a good story though right so i was happy I'm sure for, he gave you some good stuff yeah he I'm definitely, sure he gave he definitely some good stuff. i just hope he doesn't get in trouble yeah right, right. <laughs> no uh no fines or anything like the that. words off the record were not used so right. okay i can imagine a couple four letter ones you might have thrown in there yeah uh, Bourne is also undefeated at two and zero, so they haven't you know played a whole lot um, outside of last Friday uh, yeah, against they, Mashpee, and that was an eight six game. Eight six game could have gone either way, um, and that's how those two teams kind of play. I mean, you talk about Fountain and Sandwich kind of having tooth and nail back and forth yep. one goal games. I mean, the last two years you could say the same about the Bourne Mashpee girls. Yeah, and I was talking to Kristen Kondracki, uh, who plays defense for Mashpee, yesterday about that game, and she's the team was angry with their shot selection in that game more than anything else. Mm-hmm. And also she did mention how physical that game was. She said there's last year, Mashby had a girl thrown out of the game right, uh, up right. when they played inborn. And didn't, didn't Mike Maspinall, wasn't he going like nuts on the sideline? Yeah, he was every, losing I know his he's mind animated guy as he is. He wasn't, he was a little more subdued in this game. He was, mm-hmm. you know, just, you know, yelling to pump up his team. Sure. Uh, but yeah, it was a really good game. Back and forth. Mashpee just was never able to tie it up. They were always a goal or two mm-hmm. behind. But the opportunities were certainly there. I thought their shot selection as a team was you know, not great in that one. But uh, they lost yesterday on uh, Nantucket mm-hmm. 15-6. 
uh, face-off problems in that one. We'll see well, how they I bounce back. I suspect Nantucket, I, I just assume Martha's Vineyard, Nantucket, boys, girls lacrosse are just yeah, they're wagons usually gonna, more often than not. Yeah, they're usually going to be good. Uh, so I think this, you know, Mashby team, they're rebuilding. No Michelle Hambly. You know, they lost Tara Palermo, who graduated. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're still figuring it out. Sam, Samantha Mori, uh, freshman, she seems to be the one who's kind of stepping up and filling that role. And Ann O'Neill's doing a nice job, too. I think they're going to be okay. You know, they're yeah. one and two right now, but it's so early. And they're not going to play for, you know, what, a week and a half because they get the April vacation. Right, Let's right. Let's see when they come back. I think they're going to be okay. Yeah, the, the thing I like about this Bourne team, and now I'm not sure if I'm buying in too early, but I, I fully expect them to go to the playoffs for the first time under uh, Mike Massman. But uh, Abby Ariagno is the leading scorer for that team. Yep. But they're getting it all, like, contributions from all over, which I think is, you know, tough to prepare for if you're an opposing team. Because, of course, okay, we have the, the, the head, right, that we want to go after and yes. Abby, you know, cut off the head. But then you have, you know, Amanda Orchuk, you have Isabel Stone, you have J.J. Rogers, you know, they have all these other players kind of coming in, uh, and Riley, um, who can also score and get one, two goals, you know, in the game. And that, and that can be the difference. Okay, you're going to shut down... Yeah, my, my player can get two or three goals a game, two two to four. I call it supplementary scoring. Right, and yeah, I think it's, exactly. If you have supplementary scoring, then it helps so much because there are going to be days where your top dog, you know, is going to face, you know, a really good defender. And maybe that's a girl who scores five or six a game. Maybe she's only going to get two or three. Mm-hmm. But if you've got somebody else who's able to go out and get one or two and another girl's it, it makes up right. for it, and that's how you stay in games, you know, and that's how you win those eleven to ten nail biters where, you know, your star didn't have a great game. Hey, so what? Because everybody else picked up the slack. Right, right, exactly. So yeah, I I've liked what I've seen and uh, read so far about this uh, this this born girls team, but uh, right around fifty six, fifty seven minutes. FA girls, real quick. The yes. FA girls, uh, they lost at um, Martha's Vineyard twelve to eight. First loss of the year. Uh, Ainsley Ramsey has been scoring just at mm-hmm. will. I believe she's in the 30s now after like four or five games. So it's three and one. Oh, wow. Um, wow. Yeah, she's really been, I think, 33 goals is where she's at. 33 mm, or 35. Bad. Not too bad. Um, Maria Medeiros also doing a nice job. They just, we talk about supplementary scoring. Yeah. That's what they need is they are really, really depending on those two. The Vineyard did a good job of limiting those chances uh, where – in the game prior, uh, Ramsey had had seven. So, you know, they, and I think she only had four yesterday. They need to be able to get it from more places. But Coach Sarah Knowles, she knows what she's doing. I think they're going to be okay. Um, and, yeah, I think that wraps up what we got. I think that wraps it all up. Another uh, another perfect episode, Rich. You're going to go see Shazam this weekend? I will be seeing Shazam, thanks to my good friend. Uh, yes. Enjoy it. It's, some a, tickets. it's a great movie. It's a lot of fun. It, I, Low expectations, easy to exceed. And, you know, more than anything out of entertainment, we want to have fun. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. going to watch some golf this weekend. Yes. Uh, watch the Masters. And... Hopefully, maybe uh, maybe a Bruins win on Saturday. Let's hope so. Maybe a Celtics win. A Celtics win yeah. would be nice, too, on Sunday. So, a lot of sports get, this weekend. Get the Red Sox back to 500. Well, mm. that's going to take a while. Yeah. Well, you know, they're 4-9. Got a nice, nice four-game sweep against the Orioles. They're, they're right they, back in yeah, action. Yeah, hopefully they'll have a good week. So, until next-ish week. Yeah, and Marathon Monday. Big things. Game of Thrones. Everything. Avengers. We're, we're going nuts here. Uh, April's going to be fun. Jam-packed.